This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Get a look into the recording industry with the Future of What podcast. Each week, host to Kill Rockstar's president, Portia Saban, delves into a topic of interest to music industry professionals and fans alike by discussing important issues with great people who work every day to help artists succeed. Upcoming episodes include conversations with Open Mike Eagle, Top Shelf Records, and a peek at how songs make it onto hit shows like Atlanta. Find the future of what online at killrockstars.com slash the future of what or on your favorite podcast app. You didn't want it, but we don't care. Metal Sucks and Jinko Jeans presents. We are better than Pantera 2017 tour. Featuring the greatest band of the 90s, Crazy Town. Performing their latest singles, We All Got Herpes. We all got herpes, but we are better than Pantera. I got a tattoo on my dick. We are better than Carcass too. Yeah. Boy. Special guests include Primer 55, Twisted Method, and a Static X cover band, Static Y. So come see why Metal Sucks called Crazy Town the most important metal band of the 90s. We are better than Pantera 2017 Tour. Featuring Crazy Town. Check for tour dates. Herpes available at all shows in all formats. Gonorrhea and General Warts, Florida shows only. <laughs> This is the Metal Sucks Podcast with your host, Brandon Hahn and Petter Spych. Hello. What's going on, guys? It's Metal Sucks Podcast back again. I'm one of the hosts, Brandon Hahn. I'm always joined by the other host. Petter Spych. And we have got a adrenaline-packed show for you today. Who are we interviewing, Mr. Mr. Hahn? Uh... Dan Briggs from Between the Buried and Me and Nova Collective. That's right. Yes. <laughs> we go way back. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, they got a new uh, new live album uh, for Between the Buried and Me, uh, Coma Ecliptic Live and Blu-ray DVD. That's coming out April 28th, guys. Definitely want to check that out. And then uh, the Nova Collective record he put out a little while back, um, eh, just a month or two, I think it was January, I can't remember. But that's out right now. It's called The Further Side. We will be playing a track off of both releases after the interview for sure so you guys can get a little taste of both well jazz metal fusion for you yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Dude, sounds good dip your dick in that you know you know what jazz what? metal like uh, yeah i know I, I heard you sorry yeah i don't know where that came from <laughs> every week it comes from within well i mean especially it comes when from it, the heart well especially with the bit that we just did i'm like yeah we got herpes yeah boy like you're like, better than <laughs> dick jokes though brandon and that's all you give on this show you're Strictly dick jokes. No, I am not strictly dick jokes. <laughs> I know you're not. I'm telling there's, you. To, I'm telling you to rise above. There's, there's poop out there. Okay, there's, there's poop. There's AIDS. There's <laughs> so many other things that we could go. You know. What are you gonna say about the bit? No, I was just saying though the bit that that you wrote uh, and the one that you had me read. It was. Uh, it, we we just started like right off. You were just like tattoo on my dick. So it's oh, like, I I put a dick yeah, joke in the bit. Yeah. So you're the Damn. one that started me down this path. My hypocrisy. Yes. Knows no I bounds. caught you. I caught you. Well, let's move on to some stories from the okay, uh, the metal sucks world because we got we got we got a long interview we that we have to get yeah. to. And we got lots of long music that you guys are going to enjoy. <laughs> no, seriously, it's like no, it's each, yeah. each track is like seven minutes. No, I know. You know, and it's just guys just showing you like, hey, I'm dope, and well, you're Well, trust not. me, dude, uh, those are the highlights over us talking, so it's quite all right. So let's get into the metal stories okay. real quick, buddy. So the coolest metal story that I definitely found this week was that uh, David Wu put out a, a video of him playing heavy metal on the streets of San Francisco yeah. as a test to see uh, how much money you can make as a street performer playing heavy metal music. Yeah, now, and it was one of those videos where they had a camera set up and they were watching uh, – 
just seeing everyone's reaction. Dude, watching he, this, watching this dude shred like in the middle of San Francisco. Yeah, I, I and, highly and, recommend they watch the video because it was yeah. funny. It was like five minutes. I yeah, think. watch the video. See how see how tiny David's shorts are. Holy <laughs> shit! That was the first thing I saw. I was like, "Is that Larry Bird?" I was like, "Larry Bird at 84? That's the last time I saw. Was that John Stockton out there with those tiny He's shorts? Not like the little 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 shorts, man. Yeah. Uh, but anyways. Uh, uh, great video, but he did 30 minutes of metal, and he made $17 in those 30 minutes. So, so like that's 34 an hour. $34 an hour on average, let's just say. Okay? There's a lot. Of, we're, we're in Las Vegas out here. There is a ton of street performers out here with no skills whatsoever besides dressing up like Thor or putting pasties on their boobs, right? Yes. All over the Las Vegas Strip. So I've always personally wondered how much money those people make. Yeah, like how much does Dirty SpongeBob make? Because, dude, that's the thing with those street performers, too. Like, you get close enough, and you're like, dude, I'm sure those costumes smell like asshole and failure. There was a story. That's funny that since we're on the street performer story. And and meth. There, there's a story that me and you were in Hawaii. Remember this? And there was an Elmo guy. He was doing a street performer. And then two kids took a picture with him, and he takes his Elmo head off, and he throws up in the head. Do you remember this? Right. Yes. I do in remember In front of that. the kids, and the kids scream, and I'm like, wow. And then the guy, we go back, we come why back would up you, the Why street. would you throw up in the helmet? That's the one thing. I've never been in able the to Elmo understand head. it. Yeah. Okay. Dude, there's a, you could just throw, you could vomit in the curb if you want. But I, this is what he did. You saw it. We, we visualized that. So we come back, maybe 20 minutes later, walk back on the street, and uh, we're in Oahu or something, and... Um, Elmo's still on the street with the head on. <laughs> so, dude, it's called dedicated. Dude, when you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. So all I got to say is that um, these guys can make money. And if you can shred like David did in this video, it's And it's all tax-free, good. bitches. I know. I Uncle know. Sam ain't going to be able to get you. Just make sure you get a mattress. Put your money in there. How and do you just feel hit ab- the streets and shred. How do you feel about street performers? I can't stand them. No, no. Here's the thing. If it's a street performer, if you're doing like magic tricks or if you're doing a dance... Or if you have like an act, like if you're shredding like David was, mm-hmm. then I'm for it. Then I'm all for it. I consider it like a homeless guy bothering me when I'm trying to get somewhere. No. Even if you're, street performers. Dude, if you're, if you're a street performer and you're doing something cool and you're getting people to surround you, people don't have to surround you. They could fucking keep on walking. Go yeah. ahead and keep making your, you know, make your money. But it's like, it's, it's the guys that come up. It's the, uh, it's the guys that come up to you and pressure you into giving you money are the ones that I'm like, dude, back off. It's the know? guys that dress up like they, they paint themselves in gold and they wear a G-string and they're like 50 years old with a sign saying, like, I won't move and they want money. Like, those are the guys that I'm like, they all smell bad, though, man. I remember I took a picture with a fake crow one time, and that's the first thing I Brandon thought. Brandon Lee? Frank well, some guy was yeah. pretending to be Brandon Lee, but right. I'm like, I'm going to take a picture. I forgot where I was at. And I took a picture with him, and I couldn't get the smell of him away from me for, like, ages. It's yeah. just homeless people. It just but, haunted you. Ugh. Anyways. But but th- th- but that's what I'm getting. Playing metal is a skill. That's why what he does. I think I might be impressed. But so with. is but so is dancing and look and I hate magic. But so, so is, is magic. dressing up like Elmo. No, that's what I'm saying. That's not a that's that's so not a skill. So is pasties on your boobs. Yeah, that's not a skill. You know, that's just you going out there trying to take advantage of dumb dumb idiots. That oh, let's take a picture with the phony Gene Simmons. You know, and it's just. This yeah. guy dressed up as the demon, and he's got half the tongue. Fuck off. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Yes. 
Fuck off, fake Gene but, Simmons. But if but if fake Gene Simmons is he's not he's, playing metal music. But yeah, but if he's playing metal music and if he's you know and he's racking out if he's rocking out on that axe bass that he has, then fine, fuck it, go ahead, bang it out. But if you're just rocking around dressed like Gene Simmons, get the fuck out of here, bro. You're if you're not time. gonna play an actual electric guitar or drums on the side of the street. Do not set up a bass there and play James Sism. That would sound horrible. No, I'm not talking about <laughs> like, him doing God of Thunder. I'm talking about hear a no, bass I'm talking solo. no, but I, you've never seen a bass. You know, I've seen plenty of people. I've seen great bass solos, but I'm talking about street performer bass solos. They're awesome if they're good at it. You've seen a street I've seen performer it. bass solo? Yes, and they're fucking awesome. Like if you're good at what you do, then yes, you deserve to get paid thirty four dollars an hour. All right, you're you right. know what I mean. I, I apologize for my negativity. And that's on one thing. And that's one thing. And that's one thing that I hope these other metal musicians pay attention to. The ones that are like, dude, what do we gotta do, bro? Like, we don't have gas. We don't got gas. Well, then <laughs> fucking get the streets. Hit the streets. Get the dudes from Final Drive. They're like, hey man, let's just go play the guitar in the yeah. corner over there. We're gonna take that corner. We gotta get to the next. Learn town. how to pl- yeah. grab your acoustic. Learn how to play Bad Fish and fucking get out there and fucking Bad Fish by Sublime and fucking get some idiots to throw you a couple. Oh, of that's bucks. what you gotta do. Is probably play like the hits. Well, uh, well, if you're David Wu, like no, he's just shredding. He was shredding. So yeah. you're gonna make money if you're shredding. But if you're oh, if you can play your instrument, I think you're gonna make money for sure. Yeah, yeah. If you got a recorder there and you just keep doing "Mary Had a Little Lamb," we're thinking seven dollars an hour. Seven dollars an hour Maybe. at most, and that's pity money. Yeah, and and you have to be dressed as Elmo. Excellent. So moving on to the and you have to be dressed as Elmo. Yeah, throw up in the hat, yeah, and scare exactly. children yeah. in Hawaii. Yeah, first you have to throw up in your helmet, put it back on your head, then play "Mary Had a Little Lamb," then I'll throw you two bucks. And that's all you're getting. And maybe a Snickers. And a fun size <laughs> Snickers, too. Not even a real size. <laughs> One that you found in your Halloween bag yeah. from like two years ago. Yeah. Gotcha. Hope so, you chip a tooth. Next story, guys. Uh, Baby Metal, a band that me and Brandon uh, don't like at all, don't understand. Uh, find kind of creepy. It's a novelty. It's like a when novelty, I first dude. saw it, when I first I'm saw like, it, dude, I thought it was a joke. Nonsense. I thought it was a joke. I was like, I was like, okay, this is kind of funny. But then it was like, no, they're real. Like, we're going to take these. Uh, you know these underage looking chicks. We're gonna exploit the fuck out of them. Same same way I felt about Crazy Town when they came out, right? Right. Yeah, but the un- ex- exactly underage chicks exploit. The- well, they got a they have a, a festival coming out here. It's called the Five Fox Festival, right? And now it's kind of like a touring festival, so it's not just like a one day thing. You know how they do Lollapalooza and stuff like that. It'd be like kind of like how Ozfest was, where you're going from city to city. Now the thing about this festival is that they have specific requirements for who's allowed to attend the show. On every single day. For example, uh, one day females only, right? One day only teenagers are allowed to go. Another day uh, elementary school kids and then people 60 plus. Other days only people that wear coarse paint. Wait, wait, elementary school and seniors? So you're just going to take both sides, uh, opposite sides of the spectrum and just throw them into a party and just go have at it. Personally, I feel like that's going to, there's going to be a crowd of 50 people at those shows. I don't think that. It, we'll see. They're 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 big, and like I said, the novelty is working. Um, but anyways, the day that I'm worried about, they have a they have a day where you have these little underage girls dancing and singing around that is for men only. Yeah. See, that's what no. is that? Yeah. It's like it's like I call it the day of pedophiles, right? That yeah. are gonna come out there because I don't think a lot of dudes are gonna be like, I'm gonna go to this baby metal show with a bunch of other dudes. Yeah. It's a step by step guide that you could use to create another Dana Plato. You know what I mean? Where it's like these girls are gonna get diddled by a dude and they're gonna grow up all fucked up on drugs, rob a convenience store, and then die. I don't know your reference. Who's Dana Plato? She was on Different How? Strokes. Dude, you're not that old. Different Strokes isn't that from like when did that come out? Eighty something. 
You can't. <laughs> but she died you in like ninety something. So, oh, yeah. okay. So you're going back well, twenty no. years at thirty years for your reference and twenty years for the death. Well, I can't think of another child star that's been way fucked. I mean, there's like Shia LaBeouf, but I, w- I can't say that he's a complete disaster. I he's wouldn't diddle him. He's disgusting. Yeah. But anyways, <laughs> the point is, is that so so what what I see in this festival to have a males only date. Now tell me if I'm way wrong. Okay, they're aware of their pedophile demographic and they're they like we're to gonna be. sell this to the dudes like or, or somebody is so that's why they have a specific day for men men only yeah you gotta have a bunch of fucking bronies some my little pony fans show up at the uh, male male dude showing up at this baby metal thing and it's just kind of like hey you can look but don't touch <laughs> you know oh i mean it's just God, like it's, it's creepy <laughs> it is dude oh that's dude. all baby metal's doing i know man there's like I hey know. look you know we're probably in our 20s but we look like we're, we have no pubes there's check pe- us out you pe- know what i mean it's just like dude it's <laughs> just and that's and it's, people love this band so us i mean we i they need to go like i I, I want nothing to do with this the band. metal is okay it's the, just the girls is what creeps me out yeah you know. Oh, okay. Well, the metal is okay, but the point is that you have little little girls. Yeah, you have little girls with it. little girl voices, and then they're they're sexting them. They're sexing them up to get them out there to get these pedophiles to go out there and be like, yeah, I want to buy the album with the inserts. You know what I mean? It's just stupid. Mm. Anyways, so yeah, uh, yeah. So that the the pedophile day. I, I bet that's going to be the biggest turnout of that this is whole festival. Be the, biggest turnout. <laughs> the yeah. elementary kids and the seniors are going to be the lowest. Females, I think, will be less than the pedophile day, and then teenagers the second biggest day. That's what I'm calling. Now I don't know if we'll ever see like you know the results of of, of no, no, the no. attendance. Pedophile days. day, pedophile day is will be, be sold out. Yeah, that'll be a sold out because that's that's their main. That's what baby metal is going to make all their money so, off of pedophiles. So no. they're so they're taking advantage of pedophiles in a way. By getting their money. Dude, I don't argue with you on it. That's the thing. I really think there's somebody above there that'd be like, you know what we got to sell? These little teenage girls to all these dirty motherfucking men. That's how, how I old feel. are those girls? Betty, I think they're like 12, 11, or 12, oh, or 13. They, they really are that young? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you didn't know that? No, they're really kids, bro. Oh, dude, I thought they were like 20-something faking? years old. No. And they were just faking it. No. That's, I mean, dude, I respect that you saw it and you're like, fuck this, it's not for me, and walked away. But if you actually look up a song or a video, no, they're little kids, bro. Dude, well, I, I just figured, you know, because Asian people never age. So it's like, it's hard to tell them, you know, like, it's hard to tell. I think you can tell between a 12-year-old uh, Asian person and a 20-year-old. Uh, no. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, I've gotten it wrong That's before. No, it is, and I'm sorry. But I'm just saying, though, it's like, dude... Like <laughs> you've gotten it wrong before. Oh, do tell, dude. I'm sure Dan Briggs is really all yeah. about the, the How, before the interview talk. When's the last it? time you saw an Asian chick that was fucking stacked with natural titties, like fucking with big ass fucking titties? Like they, it's like usually they're very small and very Bro, petite. We need to move on. You're digging a hole. They're small and petite. They're petite, but I think you can tell between a child and an adult that is Asian, bro. You're, I'm t- just move on. Say sorry and move on. No, I'm not saying sorry. Okay. <laughs> Next story. <laughs> I'll find one for you. I'll find one that's 20 years. You're going to go to 12 year old. There's gonna certain go, no. arguments you got to let go. This, this one you got to let go. Maybe I'm just, they, I'm just saying, you'll let this go. Eight let's cup go. titties. I, I'm not, it doesn't matter the size of someone's breasts for if their age. If you're 20, and it you doesn't have matter the size of someone's breast for their age. I'm just saying, you can look at a 20 year old and be like, that's an adult. Okay. First off, I, okay, keep So, on. Mastodon's new record, Emperor Sand, it got a great first week sales release and uh, it got really good. It's got their best ones, but. Um, one of the things that possibly might have got that record a, a really good push, okay, is that if you buy a ticket to their latest show, 
you get a copy of the album. Now, Metallica did this recently on their tour as well. Um, and so they had huge upsells of the new record, that, or their latest record. Um, but is this a good thing, or is this kind of going to be a bad thing? Is there just going to be a million hardwired to self-destructs at a uh, Oh, dude, those local girls are 12. Holy record. shit. Oh, you're Googling while I'm talking. 12. Oh, they look super yuck. Bro, Ugh. say sorry. God, that's gross. Say sorry. Ugh. Say sorry. Dude, look, at <laughs> look at how they dress them. Dude. They dress them like in schoolgirl outfits and shit. I mean, it's like, come on, you're sexing up a fucking 12-year-old? Why do you think I would sit there and go, okay, that's a 20-year-old? Bro, this has been going on for like five years. The fact that this is hitting you now. I don't look at now, it every day. I, I don't look at it, it every day. The fact that this is hitting you now is driving me crazy. I don't look at it every day. All right, look. Mastodon's record. Okay, the ticket sales. When you buy uh, it's a great It's a great thing if you're somebody who likes to buy secondhand music. Because the used record store is going to be packed with this yeah. stuff. Now, they, they offer you a digital copy or a physical copy. But for me, if I know bands are going to do this going forward, right, I'm just going to buy a ticket to the show. Right. And just get the record that way. Because totally. it's, it's buy one, get what you want. But um, Why would you sex up a 12-year-old is the point that I'm trying to get at. No. <laughs> I wonder if they'll do that to Robert Trujillo's kid when he tours with Court. I know, <laughs> right? right? I mean, come on. No, nah, man, put him in some spikes. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's horrible. It's just, I'm just telling you, man, the guys that came up with this, and then they got that giant white dude that sings with them, and he dresses like them. You know what I mean? It's just like, what the fuck is going on here, dude? What the fuck, Pete? There's a day for males only, bro, at a festival. Oh, my I, God. I mean, it's I mean, so gross, bro. I know, bro. I know, it's I know. fucking gross. It angers me too. The whole the whole baby metal thing angers me to no end. But I, I like I said, it's whatever. All right, Mastodon. Yeah, can we move on to <laughs> Trujillo's kid, twelve? <laughs> no, that was just a side joke. Anyways, uh, he's torn with corn. Uh, check it out. Uh, anyways, no, so- but that, seriously though, like corn, like, and that's another thing too. Like it's them them using Robert Trujillo's kid. It's like it's a it's a double whammy because not only do you have the novelty of having this, tw- and believe me, I've seen videos of this kid. Like when this story came out, there are videos of Trujillo's kid playing. The kid shreds, bro. Dude, corn bass he, ain't easy. I mean, we're, I'm not saying we're the right. hugest corn fans, but we can legitimately say that that that's you have to be a, a damn good bassist. To well, play I'm going to tell you right now, Robert Trujillo is it? Is, who's Fieldy? You're Fieldy, saying for Cole? yeah, yeah, yeah he, he's, he's a great bass player. Yeah, but Trujillo is like kid is head and shoulders Trujillo. fucking thousand times better. Than oh, we're talking about Robert Trujillo. I was kid. Yeah, 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 no doubt about but that. But the thing is, though, is like, to, but his kid though at 12 mm-hmm. is probably is obviously just as good as field he is at you know 40 something yeah no dude i mean but that is gonna be uh, i mean excellent to see this kid up there and like i said it's not uh it's not um i i think i don't know i I don't really have much to comment on that i just made the joke right right but (laughs) i mean besides it's cool it's just like me saying hey sleep i got a new record guys they put a morse code thing out it's awesome if you read the morse code it says new record it would have been awesome if the morse code said something stupid like the simpsons are funny you know but they they did like remember to drink your ovaltine something like that it was great that they did a morse code thing and a new record's coming i'm super excited about it don't yeah don't exploit 12 year olds you know what i mean in fucking morse code (laughs) yeah yeah don't exploit 12 year olds in, in, in schoolgirl outfits and pigtails you fucking perverts God damn it, dude! It's gross. That's the reason why I thought they were young. That's why. That's the reason why I thought they were like in their twenties. I'm like, dude. I'm like, those girls are wearing, they're wearing makeup. They're doing their hair and all this shit. And it's like, whoa, this is fucking 
Yuck, dude. That's gross. And you know good and damn well, pedophile day is going to be a giant turnout. And those guys are all going to exchange numbers and emails, and they're going to go send files back and forth to one another. They need to have a paddy wagon set up right outside that concert immediately and make sure they get facial recognition software to get every guy that's walking into that place just so they can keep an eye on them. So we got the chance to sit down with Dan Briggs from uh, Between the Bear and Me and Nova Collective. Uh, this is a great interview, guys. Let's check it out right now. Dude, speaking of, <laughs> speaking of Between the Bear and Me, though, you know what they don't have? They don't have 12-year-olds in the band. <laughs> so here's Dan Briggs. Metal Sucks Podcast here. and We got Dan Briggs from Between the Bear and Me on the phone. What's going on, brother? Not too much, man. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm waking up. I'm drinking my coffee and... Uh, yeah, this is a good way to start the day. Yeah, so are we. We're, this isn't something that we normally do, but you know what? For you, man, we made the exception. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, our coffee's no, in us. Yeah, it's, it's. I'm usually up quite a bit earlier, and um, my girlfriend's alarm went off early today. And when she left for work, I, I, I was zapped. I went back to sleep till like 10:30, and I woke up. I was like, oh god. I got to get going. Right. Yeah. That's that. I, this that second nap after the sleep is always like the best and the worst. <laughs> yeah. I feel yeah, like I lose half the day. Yeah. Waking up at the crack at ten thirty, man. I mean, things I are getting out of control. <laughs> they are. Yeah. I'm. I'm. I'm definitely. I'm a morning person at home and on the road too. I mean, there's there's a small crew of us that uh that are you know the early risers on the bus and um you know we just got home from. A month and a half in Europe and you know you want to get up early over there you want to be able to walk around see stuff um you know find the train you know if it's not blisteringly cold and uh and explore a little bit because it's you know once noon hits I mean the day kind of gets going and before you know it you know you you run into that groundhog day scenario where you know the schedule doesn't change at all uh only the catering food changes and uh you know, what happens on stage. And so it's pretty much uh, the only highlights, you know? Yeah. So you, you, I, I like to have my morning, you know, at, at home and on the road. Mm-hmm. And, uh, when you're on the road in, in, in Europe, okay. Cause like out here in, in the States, I assume that you guys have a van just like every other band, but like out there though, I mean, since you guys don't really know well, your way around, I mean, do you guys get like a giant tour bus? I well, mean, they got a, probably, you guys get a bus out here too, right? No? We we, have, we yeah we do we've got a bus in America. Yeah, um, dude, they're, they're... We, we, <laughs> no, we uh, <laughs> you know we we did the we did the van for you know ten years or something. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, no, in Europe we had we had like an RV thing, um, which was was very uh very very comfy. It got it got the job done uh, just great. Did you uh, um, did, did you get a little confused on the other side of the road? Like I would imagine, because they always drive not, on the know, left, right? Only in uh, only in England and what Australia, New Zealand, and maybe like Hong Kong or something. So no, mainland Europe, they're all, they're on the right side actually. Right, oh, right on, right on. So let's talk about the side project that you just released. It came out uh, I think a couple weeks back, like March March tenth. Uh, the Nova Collective, uh, the new yeah. record, the further side. Uh, tell us about the record, how it came about, that whole that whole project. Uh, well, it was, um, I guess, uh, you know, it started with me sharing emails with uh, with Richard Henshaw, who who plays guitar in the band Haken, and um, you know, I was I had become such a fan of their record, The Mountain, when it came out a few years back. Um, uh, someone had just slipped it to me, like this is probably something you should check out, and. Um, 
he had seen, I guess, I guess I was talking about it in, you know, some interviews, probably just, just, you know, what are you listening to lately? And I was like, I just literally cannot stop listening to this record. It's the, it, it really like just the, the freshest modern prog uh, the like that had got me so excited. I, like, I don't even remember since what, um, and, uh, that led to him reaching out to me and, uh, just chatting a little bit about music and, and whatnot, and uh, what was going on with our band schedules. It'd be awesome to tour together sometime. And uh, after a little bit, he was like, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about maybe doing a solo project. Um, would you be curious in maybe doing bass on a couple tracks? And he sent me the, just the smallest, you know, just intro and, and verse of, uh, of uh, what I think was um, what became Cascades, the song Cascades. And um, and I just heard that. I was like, let's just, let's start, let's write a record. Let's just start a group, you know? Because I knew he was the guy, like kind of the, the main composer in Haken. And, and uh, you know, I knew that, all right, we would jive really well just based off that alone and really not having a clue what we were really going to write, you know? It was pretty exciting. And then we got Matt and Pete involved pretty soon after. Yeah, excellent. So you guys actually wrote the songs. That's that's the second question I had. Uh, it sounds like they're the songs, like when you listen to them, that they're almost created in like a jam session, but they weren't. You guys wrote them because I know everybody lives in different parts of the you know world and stuff. So you guys wrote them via like emails and kind of putting the songs together, or did you guys actually get into a room? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you know, I met. I didn't meet Rich and Pete until. Um, until us and uh, till between the Barry and Haken toured together a couple of years ago, and um, it just so happened that the first night we were playing in Southampton in England, and that's where Pete um, had been studying for his PhD and where he still lives with his girlfriend. So, um, it, incredible stroke of luck that I actually actually met Pete first for breakfast, and then I met Rich when the Haken guys showed up. And at that point, we'd already written our rep. We were going to go to the studio uh, here in America uh, like three months after that. So it was, it was it was pretty weird, you know, and they hadn't met Matt. They knew each other really well. And I obviously know Matt really well. So it was just I think it was just this thing between Rich and I where, you know, we we, we had a lot of a lot of trust uh, that, that, that um, you know, that the, the other guy that each of us was going to bring in was going to be, you know, kind of a, a maniac like insane player and uh that yeah there's really no better way to describe matt and pete for sure right so maniac insane players just put it on their wikipedia and, uh, <laughs> yeah. you also have two other active side projects you got trioscapes and orbs who also put out a new record less than a year ago yeah. how necessary is being in multiple bands of fulfilling your creative needs and goals uh, it's it, it's yeah, it's it's super necessary, and uh, because you know I'm inspired by so many different things, and to get to play with so many talented musicians that that span you know such such vast territory in the musical spectrum is like that's like invaluable to me, um, and uh, you know. What with like talking about like the Orbs record or something? I mean, that album was in the works for like five years, so it was just it just happened to come out, you know, last summer, um, finally. And uh, you know, we did a little tour on it, and 
And that was great. That's that, that's a an extremely hard group to make anything more than um, you know, kind of a fun creative studio outlet. There's just the the logistics between moving everyone around and um, our keyboardist Ashley's um, you know a mom with with a, a young little guy at home and everyone just kind of has like different different things going on and um, but it's it's a, a tremendous creative outlet i'm very thankful for it have you ever written i was gonna say like have you ever written a song for like one band and then you had members of another band go dude what the fuck i mean can't you you open up for us let's go no because um i guess the way i write music now is it's very like session focused so you know before we left for this tour i mean i was basically ready to write a new between the buried me record and shared you know four or so demos with the guys and you know, it was very much in it. It was very much like it. It just feels like um, when when you get to that point when you're working on a record that it's it's just like that. It's time for that thing to take over. And um, at the same time, you know, I have these these really intense urges pulling on me right now to do um, you know a new Triosscapes record and uh, and do something that's the complete opposite, which is just totally totally free form and totally um not dense composed music so i i have those like two things pulling on my uh my my kind of creative mind at the moment right now um but it is kind of nice since we're kind of in shutdown mode right now to just be focusing on on nova collective so but now you know it's it's never it's never an issue of of writing something and, and deciding where it goes because I write so within the song, um, especially the the last couple records. You know, I've I've been able to put out, and uh, it's kind of like <clears throat> you're influenced by the the people you're working with, and then by the the, the tune, you know, mm. the song. So um, back at you know, if you had asked that question, you know. Colors, great misdirect era, you know, 10 years ago. Um, it might have been more that because you're just, just writing parts. Like we had, we were using PowerTab back then to write all our stuff out. And we had fucking folders of, of just parts. And, you know, some just happened to be in the same key. Some happened to be at a similar tempo. And, man, I, writing back then, I don't, you know, to me sometimes, I, like I'm so glad that those records did so well. Um, but sometimes even playing them live now, I'm like, where's this song going? Like, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to tell sometimes. I mean, there, there was very, like, they really went on some epic journeys, you know? Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely. Now, uh, perfect segue though. You guys did announce four colors, the colors record, your 10th anniversary. You guys are going to do a complete tour out here in the States. Um, tell us what that record particularly means to you. Well, it was, uh. I, I remember totally the the genesis of it and talked about it 10 years ago. So uh, we'll, get, we'll talk about it again. But that was, uh, you know, that it had a lot to do as a, a direct reaction to um, kind of our tour cycle we did on Alaska, which kind of culminated in doing OzFest in 2006 and was such a like negative experience for us. And um, I remember on that tour – sitting in the back lounge um, of our bus at the time and, um, you know, I had my guitar and 
and probably just just a, a big notepad of uh, manuscript paper, like, like sheet, sheet music paper, and just just jotting down ideas left and right. And when we got home from that tour, um, I remember randomly hitting up um, Paul, Dusty, and Blake, and I was like, what do you guys got going on next weekend? We had like a, a month and a half off or something. Um, I was like, let's let's get let's get together man like like we'd had this I, I remember just all of us leaving that tour just bottom just so dejected just like did we waste two plus months like and then at the end of this huge tour cycle that we did and it was our first record with all of us together doing alaska yeah, Alaska, yeah. we got up that weekend and we wrote um answer the sky and that was it you know we we slammed it over this weekend and you know on monday we were like what the fuck is this song right this is you know and uh you know the, the way that song starts too it very obviously is coming out of the end of sun and nothing but i think sun and nothing might have been the last song that we wrote so it you know paul had just written this abrupt insane opening to a song and the way it ended we were like you know oh we could that downbeat could be you know this this thing that just kicks in an E major, you know, kind of like a big like you know rush sounding kind of like pump your fist rock riff. Like, oh yeah, that'd be super cool. And before you knew it, we were we were thinking not in terms of song, not in terms of part to part. We were thinking in terms of a full record. And that was the first time we did that, and it was all like just a fucking ball of energy reaction. And um, it couldn't have been a more pure record um, for us. You know, in terms of uh, at that time, 2006, uh, going into 2007, we finished it um, just completely, completely pure and and what we were into. And, um, you know, for it was really big because it at that time kind of opened up a new stage of our career. It helped expose us to, you know, a wider audience, you know, progressive uh, rock and metal audience. Um you know, we toured with Dream Theater and Opeth and Meshuggah on that run, and um, that was that was huge for sure. And it, it sent us down a path for you know our next couple albums for sure. Yeah, and uh, say a new fan never heard of Between the Buried and Me. Do you consider Colors the best starting point for them, or would you recommend them going back to like Alaska? No, I send them to the new record right away. Uh, yeah, I got you. Yeah, because I just I just feel like that's the most honest take of of uh who you, you know, are today I, who i am today and who i feel like we've evolved to mm-hmm. so and you uh, guys are a band know. that plays the new record live when you like that's something i always yeah. appreciate yeah there's not you're not gonna yeah. go in there and get like a greatest hits you're gonna get the the band current yeah which right. i which and is great I've, I've talked to quite a few people who either um you know in interviews or otherwise who just picked up with us um on the coma ecliptic record and and then started going backwards and they're like, you know, it makes sense. We, you know, if, you know, I think if, if we had just started with your first album, you know, I wouldn't have gotten <laughs> halfway through the first song, but, you know, hearing it in context with the next one and the next one and the next one and then Parallax 2. And then, you know, it's, we're, we're always kind of writing, um, you know, kind of like a, a direct reaction to what just happened. And, um, you know, we're just constantly growing, you know, how can I not when I'm doing all these, these records with other groups and learning so much all the time and, and just, 
you know, just, just different interests, you know? Right. And like Pete brought up too, like about you playing uh, the new record, how important is that during the live shows? I can only imagine if you played like the same songs, like some bands do over and over again. I mean, it would get suicidal. Uh, yeah, man, especially when some of them are 15 minutes long. Yeah, right. Um, that's why, I mean, it's going to be fun doing the Colors record. Um, you know, the the only one that's kind of worn out for us is White Walls. And, uh, mm. of course, that is like the 15-minute long song. And that just came from uh, being, uh, you know, kind of a crowd favorite. That It's so good, that song. Yeah. <laughs> that, that just kind of ended up being a, a closer. And I, I have a feeling that we're going to like it more in context of the album and not just at the end of, uh, you know, an hour and a half long set or whatever because that kills us. But um, – no, but it's it's going to be fun. It's important. Like, I I always argue with my friends who want to hear, like, the hits. When I see a band, I go, if yeah. a band plays their latest record, I remember exactly what show it was, you know? But if they play the same yeah. set list every time, I'm like, I saw them in 08, I saw them in, you know, 2010, but I can't remember where or what. That's how important. Like, for me, it's the new record generates pretty much oh, my yeah. memories of, of the group. So speak, yeah. speaking of documenting, uh, a new uh, Blu-ray for Coma Ecliptic is coming out uh April. So this is going to be the third DVD you guys release of you guys playing a show in its entirety. Mm-hmm. Um, how important is it to document that live representation before moving on to the next record? Yeah, it kind of helps, um, you know, close up that chapter. And, and we've done that with with all the DVDs that we've done. It's kind of like the last statement on that album. So it's probably where we're most locked in with the material. And um and that the, the uh, you know, if, if it's one we're doing in front of the crowd, I know that the Parallax one we did in a studio, um, but we're also that the, the crowd is most familiar. And um, so that's that's really nice. But, you know, a big part of it is just that, you know, we didn't get to take it all over the world. And, um, you know, so people, you know, in Australia and Japan, Mexico, Denmark, wherever can uh, can experience uh, the record live um, with the show that we did, especially because that was kind of the genesis of the whole thing was, I mean, we had talked about doing a DVD and then the tour kind of started. And I think our thought was like, well, maybe we'll just, we'll book a one-off afterwards and we'll do it sometime in the, the spring or something. And then um, the the light show that our, our lighting director, Chris put together was, was just so perfect for, the record i mean he just built it from scratch it's basically just just white lights you know it's just a very moody set and um we were like after a few shows we're like oh well we got to make sure chris can redo this light show get all the stuff out to you know north carolina or wherever we shoot it um and then he kind of was like running the logistics by us and it was kind of more like well maybe we should capture it on this tour then let's find a way how we could do that and make it work. And it came together really quickly. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a great space for it. So, you know, have you ever, be good. Have you ever looked back on uh, one of your DVD recordings and just started to pick apart your appearance? Like, you're just like, damn it. Why'd I pick that shirt or that haircut can uh, go fuck itself. I mean, like, have you, uh, ever, have you ever done that? 
No, I, I would never watch one of our DVDs. No way. Like, oh, no. <laughs> I know what you're talking about, dude. I do stand up, so like when I watch uh, when I watch one of my tapes, I just want to punch myself in the face. I hate oh, it. Yeah, he's God. got a recording yeah. with a bandana on. It's fantastic. <laughs> it's on my <laughs> face. I had like, a bandana face. I can't. I can't pay attention. You got a bandana on. Yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, like we we do. I think with our last couple of records, like um, our buddies put together kind of like uh, making of documentaries and. And, you know, I'll have friends that are like, oh, my God, that thing that, you know, that, that, that Blake said or that, that yada yada was, was so funny or when this was happening, I'm like, oh, I have no idea what you're talking about. I, I'm sure it was great. I probably lived it, you know, and was laughing about it at the time. But I, I don't, you know, I don't need to go back and and relive those things. And that's OK. They're out there for the fans to enjoy. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> and yeah. let, let them comment. You know yeah. they will, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so after the Colors tour, after you guys do this tour, um, are the plans to go right into the studio and work on new Between the Barry and Me uh, material? <laughs> no, we're actually going to do that beforehand. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, so, you know, kind of the life of uh, a working musician is getting out and, and touring and stuff. So we're we're home right now. Let's see, that tour will be in, like, September. So... We got we got some time and and like I said we we, should, we already shared a bunch of ideas um, <clears throat> before we went to Europe. I really felt like if if we didn't go to Europe we'd probably have a record ready now uh, to do. Um, and uh, you know I I I, I feel like um, you know with, with our best material when when we're clicking and there's there's good stuff out there early um, when we actually get together we we work so quickly and so efficiently in, in getting our thing together and really just capturing, you know, the burst, um, you know, we, we don't, we try to just keep things, especially, you know, I, I think with parallax too, and then, you know, coma was, it was another extension of it. It was, it's really like, um, it's really like really free and just not, just, just kind of letting the song dictate where it's going to go and not, not try to force shit or do awkward transitions to make something work. If just something just doesn't work, it just doesn't work. And then people are understanding. And I think a huge part of that is just, just the maturity. Like I'm so thankful that our band has been able to, to be allowed to grow, you know, that we've been able to be a band for 15, 16 years or whatever. And, um, and be able to grow. Cause like, I remember saying it when coma came out, but it, like we couldn't have done the like, coma is probably a record we would have wanted to do after color or after Alaska, but we could, we couldn't have done that record then. Like we just, we weren't ready and it wouldn't have been natural at that point, you know? Yeah. The progression so. really, the way you guys did it, I think is, is other bands should pay attention. Like well, it was very, very well done. Cause like when I, the first record I got was Silent Circus, but then Alaska was the one that really stuck with me. And then Colors was like, now there, it opened me to a whole new world of different music. Cause I was kind of in a place. And then you guys like with Misdirect and all the way through every record, there was like a growth period as I'm getting older too. So I'm like growing with the yeah. band. So the way you guys did it is, is really, I think well done. So, uh, uh, but let me ask you this one on, on the, the new material is Jamie King mm -hmm. producing this one as well. Or are you guys going to try to do, cause I know you, you used David, uh, Botrell, was it for, uh, uh, yeah, the EP yeah David, David Botrell. No, we're, um, yeah, I, I think we're going to try to lock in with, um, probably with the, the same kind of crew that we had. Yeah on the coma because 
that, that was the first time that we – I remember we, we were doing shows in Mexico right after we got out of the studio, and we got the first Masters back, which was maybe like the first two tracks or something, and um, we were all listening on a plane and just looking at each other like, dude, this is like – it's like there, you know, and you know, Jens Bogren is such a um, – He's he's just kind of like 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 a master, I guess. Like we we just toured with Leprous um, in Europe, and and they work with him, and they they kind of say the same stuff about him. They're just like, yeah, like he sends a mix back, and it's kind of weird because you're kind of trying to find something that's wrong with it, um, but you just listen to it, and you're just like that that's that's it, like it's there. And um, we also think it's kind of funny because. Uh, We've talked to a few bands, and I know Haken was like this as well, where they've done a few records with him, and they've never met him. You know, he's mixed a handful of their stuff, never met the guy. And, we, you know, he just mixed our last record, and we've been to Europe a couple times, and we're, we're always like, should we, should we invite him to the show? Or is that, like, weird? And it seems kind of funny at this point that you would just have this, like, you know, kind of, like, a genius, you know, wizard guy in the background making your... Your your records sound great, and you have never actually met him. So, you know, we're we're so comfortable tracking and with Jamie in North Carolina. It's literally literally like five minutes down the road from our practice space, down the exact same road. So it's it couldn't have been any more um, easy. And you know what's fun is actually with this record that we're doing. You know, it'll be ten years since Jamie's been in his new studio and the first day in his new studio was the first day of tracking colors. He actually rushed into the house. I think he was building a vocal booth the night before we showed up, like still plugging in his gear. Um, cause he was just so intent to, for us to be able to record in the new space, not at his old space, which was his parents' basement, um, where we did Alaska and, I guess they had done the, you know, the, the first BT Bam album as well. And, uh, so it's, it's, it'll be a fun, you know, uh, you know, looking back 10 years, I mean, we've done a lot of records with Jamie yeah. in the last 10 years, you know, I've done shit. I, I've, he's worked on two Trioscapes records an orbs record, um, Nova collective, <laughs> you know, yeah. and then all, all the BT Bam stuff, all the live stuff. I mean, he's, yeah, he's, he's very much a part of us. And uh, modern bass players are really making the instrument important nowadays, especially in the metal genre uh, and progressive rock. How do you get the stereotype of the bass player being the least important member of, in a metal band out of people's heads? Um, well, I guess – I don't know. I don't know if it's um, – I, I think people are surprised sometimes when you know, when we're talking about songs and compositions, arrangements or whatever – and they talk about a certain song or like contributions I've made. And, um, you know, if, if I say, you know, well, you know, I came in, I came in with the idea for that song, came, yada, yada. And they're like, Oh, so you like, you came in with the bass parts and you built the song around it. And it's like, no, I, I, I wrote the song on guitar and you know, keyboard and, and, and bass or whatever. Yeah. You know, like, um, multi-instrumentalist or whatever. And, um, and I, so I, I can tell there's a little bit of dumbfoundedness there that they're kind of shocked. Um, it's a weird stereotype, I, but it's out there. I, I don't guess, know why. <laughs> so. Yeah, I don't know what it is, but I, you know, I'm um, I'm just I, I love you know being able to to write a song you know with with between the bear to me you know when we're writing it's you know it's three of us with 
you know, guitars in your hands and I've got a little keyboard station, you know, when Tommy flies in, you know, he's got his little keyboard set up and, um, you know, I, I like to write bass like after the fact to kind of compliment the song and work on it. And, uh, a lot of that had to do with, you know, I would, I would write parts, you know, based off of just the guitar part that would get like very intricate and involved and, you know, very specific accents I was hitting. And then Blake would write his drums and it would be the complete opposite accents he'd be hitting. So I'd be like, well, fuck, I can either like struggle to make this part I worked so hard on work or, you know, I'll just adapt it and write something that's based off the drums. And, um, after a couple of records of that, I was like, you know what, maybe I'll just wait till Blake's got his parts. And then, you know, <laughs> if, if I'm, if I'm like, uh, you know, if, if I'm locking in and there's something that I hear, you know, maybe I'll, I'll mention it to him, uh, while he's tracking or when I send a demo over or something, but, uh, you know, yeah, there, there's a weird stereotype, I guess, but, um, I guess I've, I've just always kind of, you know, I guess in doing bands like, like trio scapes, you know, that it puts, and, and I guess between the bear to me, just from performance based, it puts me, um, as, as a, as a base first mind, but I guess I kind of approach it more just like a, in, in a compositional sense, um, in terms of with, with everything. So, uh, Excellent. I don't know. I, I just, I, just, yeah, I guess, I don't know. Give basses a chance, man. Yeah, yeah exactly. Come on. <laughs> Come on, ladies, cough it up. I'm kidding. The modern day, ba- uh, what, what like modern day, like I said, there's a lot out there right now. You're, you're a part of it. And, uh, you know, Nick from Havoc, there's a lot of guys that are just really impressive, but what modern day basis kind of in the metal or progressive rock genre do you, do you see on stage and be like, wow, is there a um, less clay pool of metal that we're unaware of? A less clay pool of metal. Um, I'm trying to think, I mean, you know, it's, uh, I haven't been able to 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 do something with uh with Evan in quite a long time, but you know, yeah. any, any time I see you know you know when Evan was playing with the Faceless, and I haven't seen him with it's been a couple of years since I've seen him with Entheos, but you know Evan, Evan Brewer is always always the guy, and we got to play some do some Trioscape stuff with him, um, which was just uh which was just fucking awesome. I mean, it's just just a real treat to do those shows together, um, but uh. I'm not sure, you know, one of, um, one of, uh, my favorite kind of, uh, progressive groups, um, growing up was, uh, kind of in like, uh, high school was Sleepy Time Gorilla Museum. Oh, okay. And, uh, there's, there's a new group, um, that, you know, four fifths of the band is doing called Free Salamander Exhibit. <laughs> they, they have great names for their, <laughs> yeah. their groups. And, uh, yeah, yeah, their bassist, Dan Rathbun, he, um, he's, there's been something about his sound since Sleepy Time and then his group of four called Idiot Flesh, um, (laughs) that I just, I I fucking love. I mean, he's, he's like a really interesting, um, you know, pick player. And, uh, you know, as of course, as it turns out, a lot of my favorite bassists, um, actually play with picks and, um, but he's. He always has such a cool sound, and because he's he's a composer, bassist, and engineer of the records, he seems to find a really interesting um, place for the bass to kind of sit either in the mix or the tones that he uses or just in the way that he's writing um, a counterpoint kind of part. And yeah, I just – I 
I can't recommend that album enough. Um, by Free Salamander Exhibit. It's it's called Undestroyed. Came out. I think it came out right around the holidays. Just just in time to make my uh my top ten list of the year. And it's I've been waiting a long time for that record. It's phenomenal. Excellent, man. Well, Dan, we want to thank you so much. I want everybody to get a pen right now and write some <laughs> stuff down. The new Nova Collective record is out right now. It's called The Further Side. Definitely check that out. Um, the new Between the Buried and Me live DVD, the Coma Ecliptic one, uh, shot in San Diego. Was San Diego, right? Or no? Yeah. Okay, yep. shot in San Diego, guys. Like he was just telling you about the light show. I had a chance to actually see it. It was an amazing live set. You guys don't want to miss it. That's coming out in April. I didn't get an exact date, but April is where that's at. Between the Buried Meter, going to tour Colors. Um, that's that's tour is going to start soon. And then uh, also go check out the latest record from Orbs, Trio Scapes. Dan Briggs, you got a lot going on. It's awesome to, to just you know have the chat with you and all that stuff, my man. Of course. Thanks, guys. I, ho- I hope you have a good day. Oh, right, we're going to have a great day. Your coffee kicked in. You're going to have a good day, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent, right, thanks, my man. Thank you. Take care, Dan.
Metal Sucks Podcast.
Dude, fucking, he's super cool. Drank his coffee, he was ready to rock. So anyways, uh, the uh, the songs you guys heard, just so you know, uh, first one was the Nova Collective off their latest record. That one is called Dancing Machines. Second song, uh, Between the Barry to Me, the Ectop... The, mean, mean syllables. It. Come on, bad, bad, bad. The Ectoptic Stroll, live. And that is off their latest record, coming out April... Or not latest record. Well, it's off their latest record, but uh, the live record comes out April 28th, guys. So it's going to be coming out in a couple weeks here uh, with the Blu-ray. Definitely recommend it. Um, and if you're in a band and you're looking for some downtime, you could probably make $34 an hour rocking in whatever city that you're in. You know, Let it be place like... It's got to be a place like San Francisco. It's got to be major cities. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't think it's going to work in Toledo, Ohio. Yeah, I don't think it is either. You know what I mean? Because those people don't have money. Yeah. But like in San Francisco... And stuff like that. Like, yes, if, there, if there's money to burn in San Francisco. If you're, if you're DIYing it like a lot of our favorite bands out there, dude, you guys hit it up. Put on, put on a, you know what? Put on an Elmo outfit and go shred. Yeah. Make yourself double the money. Bang. Because Metal Elmo on the side of the street, I'm telling you, 19 yeah, bucks an exactly. hour. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. David will prove that for us. All yeah. right. Anyway, so. Moshing me Elmo. <laughs> you know what I mean? And don't forget to keep the 12-year-old girls at home. Keep them at home and make sure they're dressed. You're not going to With like... a fucking hat. I love the fact that you just realized what Baby Metal was live on this podcast. <laughs> like, I love the fact that it happened because you well, are because... so bothered, but it's like, we were bothered years ago. Dude, well, because the You're thing so is, late I, was like, to this party. I remember years ago, somebody <laughs> showed me the video and they go, hey, look, this is funny. I go, this is stupid. And I never fucking paid attention to it. But then I've been to a couple of festivals 
And I see these kids and I'm like, well, she's tiny. You know what I mean? Like, then again, but you got to understand, like, my wife is five feet tall. Yeah. So, like, there are 12-year-olds out there that are, like, four, six or tw- or five feet tall. That's right. You saw we, They were at Chicago Open Air last Yeah, year. they were at Chicago yeah, Open Air. And it was but, just kind of like, and you just seen them like, hey, hello, Chicago. You know what I mean? They're, just like, they're all tiny and fucking 12. And I'm like, ah, uh, you know, like, I'm like, shut up. Yeah. Like, I don't even want to pay attention to no, this. No, I, I didn't either. But the point was is that, okay, moving on. So that's the end of our show this that's week. That's the end man. of the show. God, I'm bothered. Go China. <laughs> I am so fucking bothered. Dude. Nova Collective record is out now as well, guys. So anyways, uh, we will talk to you guys next week, man. Metal sucks over and out. See you guys. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.